Hello, everyone. Welcome to In Focus, sponsored by Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. David Clay. Often get the question, what is exactly Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry? It's not really that all, all that difficult, not really all that hard to explain. There are basically two aspects to the work that we do at Covenants. The first is to help people in a bodily, emotional, psychological sort of dimension. Uh, humanity is flawed and failed to this extent. Not that God hasn't equipped us to do well in the natural life, but in that we are not supernatural beings by natural nature, by human nature. Uh, we need a spiritual awakening in order for that to occur. Now, what that really means is, though, it limits us. We're only able to do those things that we're able to do out of the flesh, out of the body, out of the emotions, emotional operations, psychological operations, even in some, to some extent, generic spiritual operations, unless we come to Jesus Christ. And in coming to Christ, then Jesus reacquaints us with, uh, brings forth out of us, quickens, revitalizes, resurrects the Holy Spirit within us. Where did the Holy Spirit go? Well, we don't kill it necessarily, not until the day we die. Uh, it's, it's possible that we could kill or, or grieve the Holy Spirit so much inside of ourselves that uh, we would not be able to experience him in that way, that he could bring us what we will call in the program uh, and what I have called Holy Spirit operations, uh, which is different than emotional, psychological, and generic spiritual bodily operations. Holy Spirit operations are supernatural. But it takes those for us to truly be saved. We have to get past the bodily. Why? Because the body dies. Now, when you think of it, and you think of it in terms of our inadequacy except in Jesus Christ for the Holy Spirit to really operate in us, it doesn't mean that God didn't put His Spirit in us because God puts His Holy Spirit in anything that's alive. What's happened, though, is because of the nature of the natural world, if I could say that, double entendre, I think it is, uh, so much in the natural is predicated upon gain and loss. Things go up, things go down. In the end, ultimately, though, even in the natural context, two really important things are never changed. One is life continues to go on. It's just that the form, the natural form, has to die. And my opinion is never resurrected in a natural sort of way. I think it's the word's opinion in two. But not only does that take place or have to be acknowledged or recognized, but that as much as we have been given the spirit of life because of the losses, because of that thing called death or the need for some transformation over the course of our life, and then as the word of God would also describe transfiguration, where the body has to be go through bodily a death so that we might then come out of that or through that experience as a resurrected body or being or, or new creation in Christ, we get afraid. It all looks 
bad on the front end. It looks like there's nothing really good that's going to come out of this. Why does it seem that way? Because to a child, it is bound to seem that way. Uh, within the human dimension as well, then, there is this thing called natural bodily progression, development, maturation. Kids can't think like adolescents, which, though they're able to think much in the same way as adults, really may not be, until they're adults, be able to comprehend the whole thing. The devil attacks when we're innocent. Uh, all these losses come. Uh, even our parents, presuming that we had good ones, and that's not always the case. Many are not good parents, and especially then, when they let us down, they fail us, they don't follow through on a promise, when they say something's going to happen, and because they can't control everything any more than when we grow up, we realize we can't control it. They can't save us, spare us, preserve us any better than certainly God could or would or does in a natural regard. We start to doubt. We start to disbelieve. I promise I'm always going to be there for you. And unfortunately, that does not happen, at least not in a material way. Why? Ultimately, because our parents will probably die before we do. I know it's not a laughing matter necessarily, but when you look at it in a pragmatic or practical sort of uh, way, why would we think otherwise? And in that same sort of way, we can make promises to one another. We can even make a promise to ourselves that we're never going to do this again. And that would also sort of presuppose that we learn the difference between what's good to do and what's bad to do. Uh, word speaks of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Humans are, by godly design, empirical. Now, I think God is empirical, but who am I to know, right? All I can do is read his word given unto us, mostly in Old Testament before Jesus Christ. Maybe he had to write it in the way he did just because we are, as with possibly that's our iniquity, we have this inclination to think uh, outside of our capability to understand, or maybe we garner understandings based on primitive sort of feelings from childhood that we never really test. Why? Because it scares us to death. We're afraid to face them. We, we don't like to ask the questions. Uh, most of us want to avoid death. Now, certainly there's some individuals who have gotten to that place where they've been hurt so much that they almost, for the sake of controlling it all, will go ahead and self-destruct. That makes no sense either. Why would you harm yourself, harm the people around you, even if it's a slow sort of process of doing something you know is not good for you, but that ultimately could, probably will, result in your premature death? Why would you do that? It makes no sense. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy life as long as you can have it. Be blessed because God's intention isn't necessarily to curse you, but our brains, the way we think, the way we're empirical, and all I mean by that is we're Thomas. We need to see it, touch it, feel it. We need to comprehend it and understand it. Empiricism itself is a model that I do think God gave us, now, maybe he did that after the fact, after Eve went ahead and Adam too, and, and disobeyed him in the garden and, and already partook of that fruit.
But imagine for the first time realizing all that you do, everything that you try to do to make life good is going to end up at best in some position of neutrality. When it's all said and done, you're not going to leave with anything more than you, than you brought into this world. And with that, yes, you may leave some inheritance. You have a legacy, possibly, that you pass on. But for the sake of life after death, that really doesn't matter. Because when you see it in those dimensions, death is the end. Now, for you to get out of that conundrum you have to begin to fully face and understand what death is and then how we kind of got it all messed up. We didn't do it on our own. Of course, the devil came along and manipulated Adam and Eve and convinced them it was a curse. Now, yes, maybe that is iniquity. Yes, that's evidence of our lesser capabilities of thinking. Uh, even more so, it inserts something that really doesn't, maybe in God's opinion, have to be there. Maybe we should just do it out of the Holy Spirit. Maybe all this loss, all this death stuff, really should be more readily dismissed. You know, if it wasn't there, then we would just live life, maybe like a dog or animals. But that's really not how God designed us, which kind of makes me think maybe, just maybe, God is empirical and that he shared us his mind. He shared us not only with us the mind that he is, or his virtue and character, the royal law, so to speak, but we also have the advantage of with New Testament, and that's all Old Testament stuff, the mind of Christ. Now, yes, it does include just living by the Spirit, and certainly the New Testament has all kinds of emphasis upon the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, again, operations. It is a higher thing. The natural is a lesser thing. Why? Because the natural is lesser. It's not, get this, supernatural, above the natural. So if we're going to operate at any supernatural level, we need Jesus to bring forth again the Holy Spirit from within us. It's always, he's always there. The Holy Spirit isn't in it. He is always there but there's all of these things that come against him that would otherwise, until we're old enough, mature enough to really think it through, analyze it, be empirical, convinces us that it's a losing proposition, that why do we even look at it, even if we could get past the fear, the fight or flight sort of reaction and look at it, it really is never going to add up to anything, again, better than a neutral proposition. Although remember, even in that, life is eternal in a natural expression of it. It's just that we're not. But our spirit would be, as much as once more, we would understand the mind of God, as would then take us to a realization, we need supernatural help. We need Jesus. We need what the word then in New Testament tells us would be that quickening again of the spirit of life, the virtue and character of God that is even more than what he told us he was because at the level that we can attain when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we get to that point where we're ready to finish whatever bodily course there is, or maybe we've concluded that, and we get to that place where we say, okay, with all of this great stuff, 
that really means I'm going to get the best out of my life, albeit I'm still going to go through some suffering and pain, and I'm still going to eventually, the body's going to die, can't take any more with me than what I had coming into this life. But at that point, we can turn our bodily function over to the Holy Spirit again. Now, I say again because it was like that when you were young. You didn't worry. You didn't think. There was a certain degree of innocence that covers us. But when that age of accountability hits, which is probably the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we then have to make a choice to not eat of that fruit exclusively. We can still operate in it. Specialized pastoral care, Christian counseling ministry includes then psychological and counseling, uh, psychological counseling to help individuals understand how their body works, how the emotional, psychological system operates, how even there's a spiritual dimension that needs to happen or be actualized in their life. But if that's all that I did was offer psychological counseling, then it would be like the Old Testament. It still might be good, but it's not best. And when compared to the New Testament, to the revitalization of the Holy Spirit in me or in us or in one, to the point of our salvation, accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life, allowing the Holy Spirit to take over, what comparison is there? Soon, as we begin to understand the spiritual dimension, as the Holy Spirit, again, begins to bring an awareness to us where we start to hear his voice, again, Holy Spirit is a he, inside of us, as Jesus is resurrected through the Holy Spirit in us. Now, he'll come again in a physical dimension one day. He is to return. It's called the second coming in biblical or word terms, but it's not happened yet. But for the time being, we do have a literal, tangible resurrection of Christ. He lives in us by way of the Holy Spirit. When we start to then operate according to what the Holy Spirit tells us, then not only do we have the best that the natural world, the natural body might afford us, but now we have the very thing we need to surpass, in that again, supernatural sort of way, The boundaries, the limitations, the restrictions, the iniquity, the carnality, the thing that otherwise scares most people about death or transfiguration. I'm going to call it transfiguration. Death just sounds awful. I'll probably end up going back to death at some point here in our conversation. But for now, let's just call it transfiguration. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John saw Jesus changed from physical dimension to spiritual dimension right before their very eyes. It was a foretelling not only of Christ, but it was a foretelling of what Christ would do in us, who when we get to the end of our natural development, when all of that actualization has taken place to the best of our abilities and God's abilities to bring it about, and the Holy Spirit helps with that too. It's in us to be that way. When we've gotten to the point of empirically understanding not only the Word of God, the model of empiricism, but applying it to our life, we still must come to a place of saying not only there's more, but where is that more? And when you begin to look at it that way and that hunger begins to increase because truly you can't run from that transfiguration, that need for transfiguration, 
Jesus is the only one that has come back, not only in that spiritual sort of way I described a moment ago, but physically, literally, he was resurrected from the dead. How do we know that? Because empirically so, for the sake again of how either God's designed us or how we are and God has to speak to us, Jesus came back from the dead to testify to the fact that there is no such thing as death. The curse is removed. Now, maybe it was certainly the devil. It was the devil inspired that curse, that God is caught up in the lie. It's our iniquity that made us bound to that lie because we couldn't see it for anything but in a childish, immature way. The fear kept us from really going boldly to the throne of grace to receive that grace and mercy to ask God even for forgiveness. Adam and Eve didn't even ask for forgiveness. Now, I know God's nature doesn't change, but they just could not understand it well enough to even be able to realize that in the same garden as the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a tree of life, but they did not partake of that. What they chose to do instead was run from God, hide from him at first, and then run from him. Now, when you run from God and you run through the natural world where you're a misgod, where you've walled God out, what do you expect? There is no sanctuary. There is no Sabbath day rest. There is no place that we can go to. So Christ comes back, and because he literally was resurrected from the dead, he proves if we trust in him, and as much as when he his final ascension, before uh, uh, he will come back again at the second coming, he then told us, he would leave us by word, he told us, he would leave us his Holy Spirit, who would lead us into all understanding and would comfort us in that physical sort of way when all of these trials, the pain, the struggles, the ups, the downs of life go on. We do not have to become despondent. We don't have to become afraid. We don't have to live in anxiety, worry, fear, depression, hopelessness. You get the picture. Because there is always not only a resurrection, but ultimately because of the spiritual resurrection of Christ coming forth as the Holy Spirit in us, We can put on the mind of Christ again by understanding God's word now as adults, not only as children. We can face the devil and say, you have lied to me. Yes, I may have iniquity, and yes, you may have fooled me once, but you can't fool me again. But when we get to that point, then we can see, even in a natural regard, with our empiricism in place, there's a factuality to the resurrection of Christ. And if there's a factuality of the resurrection of Christ, it's for us as well. Peter, James, and John left the Mount of Transfiguration that day, not only with an understanding of what was to happen to Jesus, although they were still in denial and did not want to fully accept it, although all that had to happen with him coming off of the mountain, going to the cross, going through what he endured on the cross, as well as the resurrection. But they too would have to accept that would be part of their transfiguration as well. Now, once we accept that and we have confidence that we don't die, it takes all the pressure off of us. So (laughs) that was a long way around the block, maybe a couple of times. But specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry, adds the extension of the New Testament. We're not just giving you psychological counseling. 
we're going to add the dimension of a spirituality, and then with that, a Holy Spirit operation that comes only from knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, which is all predicated upon believing. Now, I'm not going to ask you, neither does the Word of God ask you to believe in some fairy tale. It's in the Word, but the Word is a written record, as all things scientific and empirical must be, in order to be valid and reliable. It's a written record of not one individual, not two individuals, not three, not only during the time of Christ, those that saw him before, again, his final ascension into heaven, before he comes again, the second coming, which has not occurred just yet, but in all of us who believe in him and accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, we experience a resurrection inside of us that is also tangibly so, empirically so, proof of a living Savior, and then with that, proof that we don't have to worry. Ah, you're still going to worry some, but you don't have to get caught up in it. That's what we tell our individuals, our folks that come see us. Yes, I treat depression. Yes, I treat anxiety. Yes, I treat couple difficulties, marital difficulties, communication problems. We can treat addictions, uh, the full gamut. We can treat it in a psychological counseling context. But more than that, we encourage the development, the actualization to the coming to Christ and then the giving of one's life over to Jesus. Now, I can't make anybody do that any more than anyone else can make them do that. And even God doesn't because it's all a matter of choice so that if anybody gets the blame, it's not God. You can blame the devil, which is the right thing to do, but don't forget, if you reject Jesus, it's on you. God didn't do it to you. You chose not to be empirical. You chose to disregard the communication, the word of God he gave to you about his virtue and character. You chose to ignore the royal law, which says everything in this world, in order to be transfigured, even if it's eternally life in a natural context, it has to die, but especially as with spirit and soul. And if we're going to have a resurrected body, even as Jesus does or did and will return with, we have to believe that transfiguration is not a curse. It's a blessing. It's a release from this existence that we're caught up in and trapped in. But if you will do that, as you come to see us, we will lead you or continue to direct you toward that conclusion. After all, we have full disclosure, covenants, get this, specialized pastoral care services, even more Christian counseling ministry. Don't come see me if you don't expect me to talk about Jesus and the resurrection power and the redemption that follows when you leave this life where we're redeemed, we're fully returned unto God. And he's going to send us wherever he wants to send us. He's going to distribute his spirit as we become again one in Christ and then rejoined with God. He's going to send us. He's going to give us a resurrected body. He's going to give us some place where we're going to minister unto him. I don't know enough about what that's going to be. I don't know how all of that works out. I don't know how God determines that. I'm sure that some might. I'm sure the Word of God probably tells more than I am aware of even at this point in my life. But I don't know anybody that has that answer completely and totally down. But we do know this. Wherever it is, it's going to be good. 
It's going to be great, and you're not going to die. There is no curse. It's a fabrication of the devil, except there is a curse, except you would reject Jesus Christ. Now, for all of you who are listening to me right now, if you have any difficulties in life, if you're having struggles in the flesh, if you have behavioral health problems, psychological counseling-related problems, if you need help with your relationships, your marriage, your occupation, you need to overcome an addiction, whatever it might be, come see me. I'm very well equipped to do that, comparable to anybody else you're going to see. But if you want resurrection power, you have to also appreciate, I know more as much about that out of the Holy Spirit than I do out of all the knowledge that I have been given, all the education, all the school, all the training, and some 30-some years of practice doing this. Now, you can go to somebody else, but if they're not a Christian, you're not going to get that. And I'm going to be careful as I say this, how I say this. You can go to a church and you can go to a pastor, but many of them are deceived as much also of the devil to discount the need for the psychological counseling to assist. It doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. It's not that the Old Testament is the only way or that you've got to do that first in order to receive your salvation. That's not true. You can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior in faith alone because of what you know him to be or because you feel that love in your heart. You feel the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit being love. You feel love, God, in your heart. But even if you do that, you're still going to want to be sanctified. You're still going to want to bring the flesh into alignment. Why? Because otherwise you're going to be warring with yourself. We put the Spirit first, as with the New Testament, but truly in a physiological sort of context, By the time we get to understanding that, it's already been years. Time saves us, not time, but in time, God saves us because he's carved out a a, a space for us to go through this process. We don't go to hell, right? But at the same time, though, we start with a bias. We're prejudiced by the time we get to acceptance, that age of accountability. The world has thrown a bunch of stuff at us. I can do that. Pastors may or may not be able to do that as well. But coming to Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, you get both. You get Old Testament, and then you get new. We always put the new first. We always put Jesus first. But we aren't dismissive of empiricism. We aren't dismissive of the lessons of the Old Testament, the pragmatics, the practical. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. You shouldn't be either. Now, if you want to get a hold of us, all you have to do is call. The number is 304-528-9220. 304-528-9220. You can also find us online at www.covenantschristiancounseling.com. Do your Google search, and I guarantee you, you'll find us. If you find us on Google, you're also going to find our email address, and you'll find a way to leave us a message via the web. Now, we're not limited to to geography these days, of course. We can minister to you wherever you might be, and however you might be, whatever situation you're in, wherever you are in the world. 
the World Wide Web affords us an opportunity to communicate. We can do that. Reach out to us. Again, my name is Dr. David Clay. I am so glad that you joined me today on uh, In Focus, brought to you by Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry.